either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Well, the good news is our search for a worthwhile horror movie in 2020 has come to an end. It's true. Yes. But which one will it be? We'll find out. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we're from MadWolf.com, and let's start out this week with a new look at a classic. A sled dog struggles for survival in the wilds of the Yukon, the call of the wild. The Yukon is a dangerous place. You never know what's coming. I came up here because I didn't want to be around anyone. And then I met Buck. He was a dog like no other. He'd been spoiled. Out! Come on, Buck! And he'd suffered. Come on! But he could not be broken. So this was one where I thought to myself, Harrison Ford, okay, yeah. What is the deal with the CGI dogs? <laughs> exactly. I had to say right from the beginning, I'm like, dogs can be trained. Why <laughs> CGI them up? Yeah, I don't think it's much of a stretch to think of Harrison Ford in the role of a grizzled mountain man. Not at all. It's pretty no. much what he is right yeah, now. I anyway, think so. Yeah, so he's perfect for that. But yeah, the CGI dogs, especially when you saw the one trailer, there's at least one trailer that has one shot where it looks like the dog is about to break into a song and dance. <laughs> really expressive human face. Now, the good news is that scene is not in this movie. And the CGI, it is questionable. I mean, there are... Got these weird big eyes. I think maybe after a while I got used to it. I thought overall they looked pretty good. Okay. The main dog and all the other animals and the wolves and things. I thought they looked pretty good. It's motion capture. The main dog, Buck, is a motion capture performance by Terry Notary, I believe is his name. Sort of a second-in-command to, um, of course, the king, Andy Serkis. Right. And worked on the Planet of the Apes movies that I but, still I still think that's the high watermark, isn't it? I agree with you. But here's the thing. He was, they were playing apes, oh, yeah. right? Like yeah. I got people, you. Are, you know, they walk on their hind legs, and one of them talks. Yeah. That made sense to me. I, I just keep going back to dogs are... Yeah, Regular well, people can train dogs, yeah, George. But there are some scenes in this movie that would have been tough for for even trained dogs to do. But I get you. I, I get you with that. Because, let's face it, at the very essence of it, you're taking the wild out of the call of the exactly. wild. Exactly. That's yes, what you you're doing. But really, the more you get into this movie, you see that it kind of fits. You kind of, that's the sort of vision they <laughs> have. Is, is for, to take wild yeah, out of the call it, it of the wild. It kind of does. And, and, it's the call of the mild. Yeah, there, there's so many euphemisms you could say. It's been defanged. It's been neutered. It's been, as I said in the written review, it's been muzzled. Yeah. That's sort of what what the what the the latest adaptation of this story as how it comes across because it is of course the classic novel by Jack London and in this version it's really made family friendly that that's really the impression i got from it because all almost all the blood has been taken sure, out of it yeah. all the harsh realities all the harsh cultural insensitivities deaths, yeah the cultural insensitivities exactly with the native americans all that is gone Sexism is still there a little bit. Uh, yeah, a little bit. But it's another one of those quick cameos. You've right. got, that's Karen Gillan in the role of the, the socialite who insists on packing too much on the sled. Uh, she's got a, a one-and-done pretty much quick role. And, and Bradley it, Whitford. At the very beginning, if you know the story, you know that Buck, the dog, uh, starts out, when we're first introduced to him, he's a really spoiled 
dog from a wealthy family from a, a judge, a California judge in the late 1800s. And that's really just one or two scenes at the beginning. That's Bradley Whitford. Yeah. But really, it's all heading toward the main duo here. Sure. And that's Absolutely. Harrison Ford yeah. as, as the Thor- bromance, if yeah, you will, as Jack Thornton and uh, and then Buck. The dog and and their adventures. Once they hook up in the Alaskan wilderness, then they go off on a on a journey into the Yukon territory. And Thornton Harrison Ford is also the narrator. And many times it does seem again like sort of a kids movie. He's reading to us maybe mm-hmm. out of the out of the book, mm-hmm. uh, but he's doing a lot of explaining, a lot of exposition in his narration, and does get heavy-handed at times. But he's, of course, Harrison Ford is going to be endearing in the role, and he is. He he really adds Mm -hmm. some gravitas to it. Even when the narration gets heavy-handed, his earnestness makes it go down a little bit easier. And he finds a way to have some rapport with this CGI dog. (laughs) He really does. Now, we know at least he had a human to act with when they were were filming it with with a motion capture. But, But still, the performance... Does the the CGI animals? I think they do look pretty solid, um, and thankfully there's there's none of that really overdone stuff from the from the one scene in the trailer. Uh, and another ironic twist: the most cartoonish character in the movie <laughs> is a dude. Is a dude. Is a human. They they twist the story a little bit and give uh, Thornton an enemy in this one. Another socialite uh, who's with the Karen Gillan character, played by Dan Stevens who becomes the villain who who is convinced that Thornton and the dog know where the gold is, and they're just holding out. So so he takes off and, and follows them into the Yukon, and he's such a snidely whiplash character. It's so over the top. Dan Stevens is one of those guys, I keep waiting for him to just take off. He's very adaptable. Mm-hmm. You know, he's flexible, plays a lot of different characters, but he just never seems to hit. Yeah. Um, and in this one, he's made. He's got. A, he's got a big. Speaking of Snidely Whiplash, <laughs> he's got a big mustache, mm-hmm. and he's got the hat and everything, uh, period costumes and all. But he's just so over the top, and he weirdly is the most cartoonish character in this thing. And I get you. I totally get you. In a story about the wilderness and nature and animals, why do you take the animals out of it? But but in the end. It's, the director is uh, Chris Sanders, who has done some great work in kids' films. He directed the first How to Train Your Dragon. Right, right, right. Fantastic. Yes. And he also did Lilo and Stitch. Mm-hmm. And then the writer is Michael Green, right. who did Logan. Yes. And some good stuff the, there. The, the last Blade Runner. Exactly. The last Blade Runner. So uh, they just really dial it down, neuter it, anything you want to, any kind of euphemism you want to come up with, meant for families. And I, I really got the impression that it seems like a just a primer, a PG-rated primer for kids to get into and, and easily, an easily digestible moral metaphor of finding your place to live simply in the world because it really casts Thornton and Buck the dog as kindred spirits. They're right, both sure. lost in their own wilderness mm-hmm. trying to find a place. We get that, but it's been pared down to, again, easily digestible questions with obvious answers right. just for the family. So, you know, if, if you got that and your kids want to go and have a nice adventure, and of course they're dogs, animals, uh, outdoors, and you, you, you get that feeling that this is their introduction to the story, and then maybe when they get a little bit older, they can actually read the original. That that seems to be what this movie is existing for. And for that, I thought it was just fine. Mm-hmm. And that is the latest The Call of the Wild. Next up, one we've been looking forward to. It's a soon-to-be stepmom snowed in with her fiancé's two children at a remote holiday village. Just as relations begin to thaw between the trio, some strange and frightening events take place. It is the Lodge. How would you feel about going to the mountains for Christmas? 
with Grace. She really wants to get to know you guys. You okay? I don't want to leave you here with the kids if you're not feeling up to it. Uh, I'm feeling fine. It was my idea, and it took a couple days. I can do a couple days. What is that? It's Grace. Everyone committed suicide except for her. Repent, and you will find salvation. Guys! Things are very uncomfortable between us, and we're stuck in a house together. What is this? The power's out. Where are my things? It makes no sense. What? I heard something. Now, this is one of two scary movies we've got this week, and this is the good one. We enjoyed this. Oh, my goodness, yes. We got to see this first, actually, back in October because it was at, they played it at the Nightmares Film Festival. Yeah, so put and, that on your calendar for yeah. October in Columbus, Ohio. Nightmares Film Festival. It has all sorts of great indies and some great premieres. Oh, yeah. Like this yes. one. Also, Swallow yeah, premiered Swallow there. Swallow premiered there. VFW premiered yeah. there. Yeah, so we would love to see you later this year. But let's go back to this. Yeah, it's creepy and it's a. <laughs> We know how you love the Cabin in the Woods movies. I do. And here we've got a Cabin in the Woods movie and also a, a winter movie yes. that takes advantage of the cold and the claustrophobia of movies such as The Thing sure. and The Shining. Yeah, and, and it, it uses it the elements. Back. Yes. Yeah, it calls back to those. I mean, they're not ripping anybody off, for sure. They're very, very open in the way that they embrace the other movies that kind of fill the same, these same themes. The writer-directors, Severin Fiala and Veronica Franz, they made Goodnight Mommy yes. a few years ago. See it, see it, see it. See it, so good. So it's good. so good. So this is their follow-up, long-awaited for us, mm -hmm. because we were very eager to see what they would do next. And Riley Keough stars. She's just reliable, isn't she? I mean, she's interesting to me because she's made a, probably about a dozen films that's, by now. That's the thing. And all the people so far that we have already talked about this movie to, like this morning on TV and some other radio stations that we call, we know her very well. Yeah. But we always have to remind everybody that's Elvis's granddaughter. Right. Because she has. Even though she's made a lot of movies, she hasn't really made any blockbusters. No, she chooses very interesting yeah. films, yeah. I think. But she's good. She's always good. I think the only massive, massive hit she's made, she was one of the wives, quote, in uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Right. She was the mm -hmm. redhead. Yeah. Um, but other than that, she's made, you know, uh, uh, The House of Jack Built last year and Under the Silver Lake, a lot of smaller... Logan Lucky. Logan yeah. Lucky. Smaller films mm -hmm. that, uh, most of them quite good. Yeah. And she's just always good. Oh, uh, It Comes at Night. Oh, yeah, exactly. And that's the one, this one, of her of her films. That's This reminds me the most of that film because I... it has that we're creepy, trapped in mm -hmm. this, it seems like a safe place, it ought to be a safe place, but it isn't a safe place. And I will say the uh, she's her character is a stepmother, and uh, I will say that they have the filmmakers here have crafted one of the most clueless dudes uh, in a movie I've seen in a while because this guy that she married has uh, a couple of kids. He's so clueless about his kids accepting the new stepmom and how quickly they're going to do it. Yeah, he's one of the most frustrating father figures yes. I've ever seen in a movie ever, and really. Uh, terrible, terrible, terrible things happen in this movie, right. and 100% it's the dad's fault, mm -hmm. because he's a dumbass. 
Yeah, and he just thinks because he wants them to all be one one big happy family, they're going to go away on this uh, on this getaway to the cabin, and then he's just going to go away to work for a few days and leave the two kids and the new stepmom who they hate. Right, uh, and they'll be fine for good reason, actually. Yeah. Yes, you for know, good I mean, reason. She didn't do anything in particular. She, you know, but, but there's a backstory. There's a there. backstory, and two kids are not going to get over the backstory, and they ought to be in a lot of therapy. And the dad is just a dumbass. But one of the things I like about this film is that it while Richard Armitage plays the dad and while so often in horror films part of the tension is that children are expected to get over something and move on and do what they're told and I think that this movie especially through Jade Martell in another great performance yeah he shows that you just cannot do that right and he's so Tender. His performance is the heartbeat of this movie. He's always Riley good, too. Riley Keough is great. The little girl, Mia. Yeah, Mia. No, Leah McHugh is her Sorry. name. Her character name is Mia. Oh, she's, uh, she's great. She's great. But, yeah, Jaden Martell, if you don't know, he's from It. And he's done a um, Midnight Special and a lot. He's, he's oh, been yeah, a yeah. great child actor since St. Vincent, yes. really. The debut. And he just keeps getting better. And his character is very important because after the, the dad leaves and leaves them on their own and these strange events start happening... Even though he hates her, he has to lean on her for protection and help. And the dynamic of their relationship changes. And it's it's fascinating. And it's driven by those two performances. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, the, it's, it's really a three-man show with the two kids and uh, Riley Keough uh, all trapped in the house together. I just think that they play with the backstory and they, they play with just childhood brutality, what kids are capable of doing, yeah. and the sort of the sympathies. It, it's just such a well-crafted movie. And then what a gut punch it turns into. I mean, I just, I was so impressed by this film. Yeah, and it creates a very, very chilling, I know that's a bad pun with a, with a wintry <laughs> movie, but just atmosphere, yeah. a- atmospherics. Yes. The atmospherics of it are creepy from yeah. the get-go, even before it starts getting creepy. Yeah. It's just creepy. Yes. <laughs> kind of like Good, Light, Good Night Mommy was. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Before you even kind of recognize why you feel that it's creepy, it already is. It's just built an atmosphere. Yeah. So if you, like us, and have been looking for the first good horror movie of 2020. To be fair, Gretel and Hansel was pretty good, but this is, this the, is really good. This yes. is better. Yeah, Gretel and Hansel, you're right. But I, I would say this one is better. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, big big recommendation for The Lodge. Well, we said there were two scary movies, and we've already talked about the good one. So here's the bad one. After a family moves into the Heelshire Mansion, their young son soon makes friends with a lifelike doll called Brahms. It's the boy, too. I understand that some of Jude's behaviors would be upsetting, but I urge you to find a place where he feels safe. I think it will be good for him. Good for all of us. Who's this handsome chap? Brahms. How'd you come up with that? He tells me all sorts of things. Okay. I just think it's all a little bit creepy. your new friend Brahms. What are some of the things you talk about? The other families he's loved with. Want to take the doll away from him? Yes. So I think the 19 or 20 of us who saw the boy immediately wondered, 
That made enough money to merit a sequel? Exactly. Everybody I've talked to about this movie, everyone is just flabbergasted. Like, why are they making a sequel to that? Number one, it was terrible. Right. And number two, yeah, like you, people can't believe that it made enough money to garner a sequel. But here it is, and there's really, the only connecting thread is the doll. Yes. The original, like three or four years ago, the original was uh, a nanny comes to England from the United States. That's, that's a fur piece to nanny for someone, for a couple, an older couple who is who is going on their first vacation in many years and they need somebody to look after Brahms. It turns out to be a life-size doll. <laughs> and, uh, and it has rules, and she, of course, breaks the rules once the parents leave because she thinks they're just insane, and now she's got the run of this house by herself until they come back, blah, blah. Little by little, whatever, she starts to think the doll's alive, and, uh, you know, and then she starts to think that it's good that she's taking care of the doll, and the whole thing... It's dumb, and it's it's one of the things, when, the whole time I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, I bet this wasn't a bad script. It was just incompetently directed. Mm-hmm. So, same script writer, same director, <laughs> yeah. same problem. Yeah. The creepy doll, of course, is uh, a well-worn trope in horror movies, and this movie falls back on another well-worn trope in horror movies about... The unreliable narrator, the unreliable point of view, is this person crazy or are these things really happening? Now, even though those are well-worn tropes, they can be done well. They have been done well. And they probably will be done well again, yeah. but not here. No, no. And and it's it's another instance where I feel like the script might have been almost interesting. So what happens early in the film is that Katie Holmes has a terrible, terrible divorce, and she's never going to get... No, no, no. Sorry. Katie Holmes and her young son are home alone when there is a break-in. I'm like, where is she going with this? (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) There's a break-in. And so uh, they're very traumatized, both of them, and the, the boy has hysterical muteness. And Katie Holmes basically just has PTSD. And so the they move to this giant estate out yes, the in mansion. the, the mm-hmm. mansion out in in uh, the English countryside where the boy finds this doll that's been buried outside in the forest it sets up this idea that maybe she's imagining things right. because of PTSD or maybe the boy is a budding psychopath right except that or of course maybe the doll is is you know sentient. actually super right. yeah supernatural so you've got three options the doll is a devil doll. The little boy is a, is a maniac. <laughs> devil doll. The, the the mom is crazy. And the director makes it loud and clear which one of those mm-hmm. is. So it's not Too early. within 15 minutes, you know, which means you still have an hour and 15 minutes to right. go with no conflict because you're not wondering anymore. And that's, well, you're wondering. What I was wondering is why aren't I watching the episode of The Simpsons where <laughs> the crusty doll wants to kill Homer? That's the one I want to see. It switched to evil. (laughs) You, Homer Simpson. Anyway, that's the thing that you start wondering when a movie is as bad as this is. Yes. Because you're right. That gives it away. And then where's the tension? Where's the conflict? And and, and they've painted themselves into a corner right there. And how are they going to get out of it? And you know what? The performances actually are not terrible. Katie Holmes is fine. Ralph Ineson from The Witch and his gravelly baritone are in this one. And uh, he does a fine. I mean, everybody, it's the valiant efforts all around. Mm -hmm. Cinematography looks good. It's just that the direction is really awful. I mean, I'm not saying the screenplay is great. It isn't. But it's really just some some choices that the director makes very early. And also, why would they even have made it? Well, uh, we'll be 
catching up again with the boy three here next year, I imagine. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the uh, not recommended scary movie or not scary movie because it's it's we've you've heard us say this a million times. It's jump scares and music stabs. That's all it is. It's PG thirteen horror. It's released earlier in the year, early in the calendar year. Usually that is a recipe for not good, and that recipe holds true. Yeah, for uh, Brahms, the boy too. Now we've got a few smaller movies and limited release opening this week. The first one is set in the Olympic Athlete Village. A young cross-country skier bonds with a volunteer doctor after her competition ends. It's Olympic Dreams. Did you always know you wanted to go to the Olympics? Yeah, it's like every child's dream. What sport are you? Ski slope style. What about this guy? He just smiled at you. Yeah. I don't know. Is this seat taken? Do you want to get out of here? Like, leave the Olympic Village? Yeah. Go have a night out together. I want to take more risks. That's why I came to the Olympics. You inspire me to do that. I'm just really happy right here. So this is a really interesting movie, interesting in how it got made and the type of movie that it is. It's mm-hmm. almost, I don't want to say guerrilla filmmaking, but it, 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 sort, it sort of is. Yeah. Because it's, it's Nick Kroll, and it's the, who's, who's one of the writers, and uh, his, his co-writer is his co-star, Alexi Pappas, who, is all, who has been an Olympian, yes. a cross-country skier. And then the director is Jeremy Telcher. And basically, it was the three of them only. They got three passes to the Olympics, the 2018 Olympics in South Korea. And that was the crew. Yep. They had to go and do everything because they wanted to actually film while the Olympics were going on. And that's what they did. It's almost, remember that movie they filmed at Disney World? Yes. Years ago? (laughs) Uh, Of course, they had to do it under cover. They weren't allowed to. But here they got three passes to go and do it and just take care of everything. And it's fascinating. And that is really the main draw of this movie, the fact that you realize they're doing it inside the Olympics. So much so that uh, Nick Kroll's character is a volunteer dentist. So he is wearing the appropriate jacket of a volunteer. volunteer. And there's at least one time, I read up a little bit on the production of this movie, um, there's at least one time where he said it was real. He was just interrupted while they're shooting a scene by someone thinking he was a volunteer, asking him directions somewhere, because that's how much they just yeah. blended in sure. to what was going on. But it's really an interesting story because it, it focuses on a different side of the Olympics. You've right. got you've got this... Um, Alexi Papa's character, who is the cross-country skier, just as as she was, and she plays Penelope, and it just really s- sort of discounts her competition. She, it's, it happens early on. Mm-hmm. She goes ahead and she competes. Mm-hmm. She doesn't win. She doesn't come in last. She's just sort of in the middle, and then it's over for her. And now what do I do? Right. And I'm lonely, and I'm far from home. And, uh, and, and that's the fascinating part about it. Now, once Nick Kroll's character, Ezra, and, and Penelope meet up and start to form a relationship, that's when it falls back on very familiar tropes that you've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, one may be interested romantically, maybe one isn't. Are they going to get together? Then they're mad at each other. Then they get back together. And so you can probably guess how that ends up. That is really not the interesting part of this movie. It's perfectly fine, and they're likable. Nick Kroll I like very yes, much. Yep, absolutely. He, he can not only be very funny, but he's also branching out in more dramatic roles, which is is really more. This is more of a 
dramedy. A dramedy, yeah. Um, it's not as, as hilarious as he can be. And it's very sweet. They have a, a, a very nice chemistry uh, between them as their relationship grows and they get pulled apart. But it's, it's really just the fact that they were able to do this at the Olympics yeah. and showing you a different side of the Olympics. Now, the actual written review of this movie was done by Matt Weiner yep. on uh, MadWolf.com. And I, I agree with everything he wrote. You want to check it out? There it is. I think maybe I liked it a little bit more than he did. Mm-hmm. Um, because he was right. It is very rote about the the uh, sameness of the relationship. We've yeah. seen it a million times. It does feel like they had this opportunity at uh, Olympic Village, yeah. and then they just had to sort of, and with just the three, when they just it sort of did the best they could. Yeah. Cobbled together what they could, hope yeah. for the best, and, you know, and, and, and that being the case, it was perfectly likable. Exactly, and it's only about an hour and 20 minutes or so, and uh, so I would still I would still recommend it. I think it is worth seeing. Is it the best rom-com or rom-dramedy <laughs> you've ever seen? No, but it has a sweetness about it, and especially if you uh, are interested at all in uh, Olympics and maybe a, a different look at them, I, w- I would recommend it's worth a shot, and that's uh, Olympic Dreams. And next up, a searing look at a day in the life of an assistant to a powerful executive. As Jane follows her daily routine, she grows increasingly aware of the insidious abuse that threatens every aspect of her position. It's called The Assistant. You're relatively new to the company. I mean, I've been working here for nearly two months. And you're under a lot of stress. Entry-level jobs in this industry are tough, right? Long hours? First one in, last one out. Good night. You're smart. You have to be smart. It's a tough job, but... I can see that you've got what it takes. Listen, his schedule has shifted. Does 7 p.m. work? Still at the hotel, or...? Yes. There's a girl waiting. Oh, her. She's been here before. A few times. What is it? The wife. Say he's in an important meeting. No, say he's in a screening. Where is he? What did you say to him? What did you say? They told me you were smart. I overreacted. It was not my place to question your decision. I will not let you down again. You know he can always come to us, right? Come to us first, okay? So this is writer-director Kitty Green's narrative feature debut. She's done a couple of documentaries, which you feel that. You mm-hmm. know, there's a there's a really um, sort of a startling authenticity to this movie that gives it that much more weight. Yeah, she did Casting John Bonet, mm-hmm. and then she did... Ukraine U- is on a brothel. Yeah, so this movie feels like, as a, as a documentary, often a good documentary wants to... Pull the veil off something right. and make you understand yes. something. That's what this movie is doing exactly. as well. Right. And it's, you know, and it's it's not just any uh, company. She works for um, a, a film production company. Yeah. Yeah. She works for a casting director. And part of her job is cleaning the semen off the couch mm-hmm. in his office. Um, and it's, but it's. You can kind of guess where this is yeah. leading to as, yeah. as far as ripped from the headlines. Yeah. But it's, it's much more, you know, it's funny. It's much more banal than that. And I really respect that about the film because what it does is kind of looks at, you know, what it is people put up with day in, day out, day right. in, day out just to get a paycheck. It's a powerful, horrifying, but sadly very believable depiction. And it's it's another movie that I think one of the things that uh, Bombshell did well is because a lot of times when you hear something breaks or a scandal and somebody's always going to get up there on their high horse and go, well, why didn't you say anything at the yeah, time? Yeah. Well, you know what? Sometimes there's a lot of reasons people yeah, don't say it, anything at the time. Right. It, it's just you find yourself inside of a culture mm-hmm. that accepts what's happening mm-hmm. and you're like the odd man out going, Wait a minute! Yeah. Can can nobody else see this? Yeah, and uh, 
Julia Garner. Julia Garner is the uh, lead actress. The in... assistant. And yeah. she was so good in the um, American language version of We Are What We Are. Mm-hmm. She's very powerful, and it's just so sad. It's just so sad, this movie, and her, her performance really leads it. We didn't re- write the review for it. Christy Robb did, and she was really moved by it, it as well. Yeah. She did. She gave it four stars. She loved it. Yeah, it's a really, really good review. You can check out at madwolf.com. And uh, if it is in your area, very powerful and worth checking out is The Assistant. And one more, it is the story of a voyeuristic hotel clerk becoming the subject of a murder investigation, the night clerk. Hey, how you doing? I watch people, and I imitate. You watch people? Well, I study them. Yeah, well, I guess you have a lot of people to watch at the hotel. Yes, I do. We have a dead woman here, and I think Bart knows something about that. This is a fragile boy, and you need to understand that. Look, I know you got issues, but you're hiding something. That's what I really believe, Bart. He has kind of an odd way about it. But, you know, that doesn't mean he did anything, does it? Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Bart, what did you do? What did you do? What did you do, Bart? Here's one I was sort of hopeful about because I love Ty Sheridan. I love the the, the actor who plays mm-hmm. the night clerk. I've loved him since he was a little kid. I think I first saw him in Joe yeah. and Mud, and he just made so many great movies. Uh, and nothing wrong with Anna Diarmas and being in it either. That's no. to- that's totally fine. Is it okay for it's you? All right with me. Is that all right? And also <laughs> Helen Hunt, who yeah. uh, who yeah. does who does a really good job in this movie. Ty Sheridan plays the night clerk, and he is a young man on the spectrum. And that's where I got nervous because mm-hmm. that How is... How are they going to treat that it's character? It's so yep. tough to pull off. It yep. is so tough to pull off. And uh, I want to give the film and the filmmaker credit, and Sheridan in particular, and also Hunt, for the way that it is handled. He's he's It's, it's actually, I thought, I think done quite well. And I yeah. think, generally speaking... Forrest Gump, I feel like it isn't. <laughs> Usually it's cartoonish, and yeah. I really thought that they did a nice job with it here. Writer-director is Michael Christopher, and in a case like that, you, well, as we say very often, it starts with the writer, so the character has to be written well, mm-hmm. and then it has to be fleshed out by the actor, it does. Ty Sheridan, and then his supporting cast <clears throat> to, to treat him like a human being and not, a, again, a, a cartoon. Right, or, right. Or a, a stereotype. Or, yeah, or, you know, a vehicle for a plot. Right. Uh, which, this that could easily have been the problem with mm-hmm. this film. But as much as the, the character development in the writing and, and also in the performances is, is very strong in this movie, the plot itself, which is a mystery thriller, yeah. is uh, profoundly obvious and not at all well handled, especially poor John Leguizamo plays the police detective. Yeah. And you just like, I mean, no part of the police work makes any sense whatsoever. <laughs> so that's a massive drawback to the film. So it's 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 kind of a mixed bag. I mean, there are some and, and Diarmas is great, actually. Um, there are some good performances and there are some interesting ideas, particularly really in terms of how it does look at people on the spectrum. It's just the plot is not very good. Yeah. Interestingly enough. The pluses of this movie remind me of one we're going to talk about in the lobby. So uh, that is the night clerk. And speaking of the lobby, let's get to it. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. 
Boy, pretty solid haul yes. this week coming out in home video led by Jojo Rabbit. Obviously, if you listen to the screening room, you know that we love it, especially Hope loves, loves, loves Jojo yes, Rabbit. Yes, I do love Jojo Rabbit. And, of course, it won the Oscar for Adapted Screenplay. Did? Yeah, and uh, so, yeah, it's a big thumbs up from Go us. Go see it. Right, for sorry. Jojo Rabbit. Take it home. <laughs> take it home. Take it home with you. A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Comes out this week as well. Solid. Uh, Tom Hanks was nominated for an Oscar. Again, the only thing that we sort of throw up as a cautionary um, comment is that it's not the story of Mr. Rogers. He's a secondary character. It's a story of a journalist who has troubles in his life and basically, uh, against his will, writing a profile about Mr. Rogers... He learns all of the things that Mr. Rogers has to teach you, and he makes his life better. So, yeah. but yeah, it's it's quite a charming film. It I, is. I enjoyed it. I, I did too. I thought it was perfectly charming, and Tom Hanks in the supporting role mm-hmm. is just as great as you think he would be. Playing. Oh yeah. Who else is going to play Mr. Exactly. Rogers? John Cena? No. <laughs> it's good. And I like John Cena. Come on. <laughs> I do, but uh, Tom Hanks is going to be Mr. Rogers. Also, 21 Bridges, and this is the one I was talking about, similar to uh, The Night Clerk, because here's a movie that is totally elevated by the people in it. Right. Uh, You've got Chadwick Boseman as the cop, and then you've got a supporting cast with uh, Sienna Miller, J.K. Simmons, Stephen James, Taylor Kitsch, Keith David, some other faces that you know. Keith David. Yeah, I know. I love him. (laughs) Somebody threw away a perfectly good white boy. Man, Keith David's voice. Oh, <laughs> that was the one funny moment in Men at Work. It Remember was. that with Charlie yeah. Sheen and uh, I do. Oh my. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, they just elevate the material because it's pretty standard police stuff. Um, and the director also is able to find the director is Brian Kirk. He's able to find a little bit of grittiness to mm-hmm. the story as well. So mm-hmm. it's one of those that really shouldn't be as good as it is. No, because the plot is beyond it obvious. Re- and I, it's oh, so obvious. It got some horrible reviews. It did. But I thought all in all, just for the the, the people and the talent involved, they elevated that. That's 21 Bridges. Uh, Frankie is out this week as well. This is Isabel Huppert. And it's basically, it's it's literally a day in the life. And Isabel Huppert plays Frankie, and she's called her whole family together on this vacation because she's dying. And the movie just follows her and then splits off and follows some of her friends and Mm -hmm. some of the other people in her family around as they all just spend this one day of vacation, kind of unraveling and regrouping. It's uh, very loosely plotted. It's beautiful. And, of course, Huppert is great. And she is married. Her husband is played by Brendan Gleeson, who is always so wonderful. And they're just amazing together. Uh, also, Midway comes out this week, and <laughs> well, you know what? It's it's worth seeing only for some of the battle scenes. So it's worth seeing if it's free. Yeah, and if you've got a great big screen. Otherwise, right. it is just the most. You might as well have cardboard cutouts just with someone <laughs> speaking the lines. They're not real characters no. at all. They're not. It's almost like it's not a tribute to actual war heroes. It's a tribute, a tribute to, to war movies. War hero. Movies, right. or the heroes of war movies. <laughs> uh, but but once they do get in the air and some of the battle scenes are really well done, it's director Roland Emmerich, and that's sort of his <laughs> his M.O. Yeah, it is. It really is. Uh, and even though it's got s- some talent in it, you've got your Patrick Wilsons and your Woody Harrelsons. Just <laughs> These aren't real characters. I mean, character development is reduced to lines like, oh, he's a firecracker. Oh, <laughs> he's the best intelligence officer I've ever known. I mean, there's your character development <laughs> that's right, right there. It's not anything even close to uh, real character development. Element, but the battle scenes are decent, and that's midway. Looking forward to next week. Big hall. Big, big stuff. Led by the Invisible Man. We Couldn't be more excited. Psyched. When do we see that? Like Tuesday? We do. A few, few days here? 
Also, uh, a, few, a few that we've already seen. Portrait of a Lady on <gasps> Fire. Glorious. So happy that and it finally that, comes out yeah, here. Yeah, because that was one that's basically a 2019 movie. Yes, yeah. A foreign film and a great one that is coming out. Also, uh, Emma. Looking forward to that which one. Which is the latest adaptation of a Jane Austen. Uh, Kristen Stewart, another winner for Kristen Stewart uh, in a biopic slash thriller about the life and death of Gene Seberg. Uh, Incitement comes out next week as well. Also, Blood on Her Name. Never heard of that. Yeah, uh, I've seen it. Okay. So, yeah, I watched that one already. Where Haven't written I? it up yet. All but. Right. Uh, Once We're Brothers and Premature. So busy, busy. Busy. Next week as well. So uh, in the meantime, what do you think about the uh, picks of the litter this week? Maybe The Lodge, maybe uh, Call of the Wild. What do you think? Let us know. Always fun to keep the conversation going. Easiest way to find us is on Twitter. It's at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Also on Facebook and Instagram. It's Mad Wolf Columbus and the main website with all of our written reviews, uh, as well as our other horror movie only podcast called Fright Club. That can all be found at MadWolf.com. We appreciate you stopping by the screening room. Would you do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and review? I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) Yeah, we would love for you to do that. And until next week, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.